Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include long-term rate locks, my interview with John Irvine, Chief Product Officer at Change Home Mortgage on how relationships go a long way when it comes to treating brokers and borrowers, and the latest inflation reading. Today's podcast is brought to you by Simple Nexus, an Encino company, an award-winning developer, and mobile-first technology for the modern mortgage lender. Nexus Closing helps lenders deliver a top-tier closing experience while transforming paper-based processes into a streamlined digital experience. Visit SimpleNexus.com to learn more. I received this email, quote, I'm thinking about leaving my company because it doesn't offer 180 or 270 day rate locks. What do you think? We have trouble competing even with shorter term pricing. My current employer is allowing me to lock in a 60 day rate at 1% higher than the 10 day lock price. But my competition has stronger pricing than ours and a few of the banks trounce everyone's pricing. End quote. 270 day rate locks? The longer the lock, the greater the risk. I'm going to simplify this a little. But let's make it like a light switch. Figure either 0% will fund at that price or 100%. Think of the lenders that offered that program at the beginning of 2020. None of those loans closed at those rates. Now, think of the lenders that offered that program at the beginning of 2022. Every one of those loans will close at those rates. There is no magical pixie dust to use, and seasoned capital market staff will tell you it's painful, inefficient, and not advisable for most. Typically, lenders will use the program as a loss leader and book any upfront fees as income and hope for the best. Selling generic, to be announced, or TBA agency mortgage-backed securities for settlement two to three months in the future is typically the way to hedge a pipeline. But that market doesn't go out six months or a year. That said, U.S. treasuries on the short end of the curve can be used to hedge long-term locks. Many non-QM lenders employ such a hedge too. But there is basis risk that usually comes from changes in credit or prepayment. There isn't a built-in mechanism to account for a degrading credit market. U.S. Treasuries are backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. You know, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson are not. This credit difference can put secondary groups in tight spots when their hedge doesn't move in line with credit, or what investors may perceive credit is doing. The traditional way to hedge an agency pipeline for 30- or 60-day locks is in the TBA market. For longer locks, capital markets will usually sell a 90-day TBA on day one of the lock, which would be July for today, then end up rolling it or buying back the 90-day when it rolls to a 60-day and resetting your hedge back into a 90-day. This roll cost chews up margin like nobody's business. The lender is a victim of not only the 6 to 10 times you have to roll the security for that extended lock we talked about, a cost as you drop from one month to the next, but the bid ask spread bounces around, making it even costlier. At best, this cost can be estimated to be built into the front-end pricing, traditionally measured in points, and added to the cost of the lock. So basically, when a borrower locks their one-time construction loan at par, secondary marketing groups are probably seeing 102 or 102.5 on the secondary market for the rate that day and pricing it at par, which still chews into profitability. Duration is not your friend hedging any interest rate instrument. And yes, depositories, including credit unions, of course, view most mortgage transactions differently than mortgage banks do. The acquisition of the customer is more important to the retail banking side than making all their profits in the mortgage rate lock or secondary marketing side of things. I'm not saying they give away every mortgage, but in certain programs and certain products, they are at best break-even, net servicing values aside. 
For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show, John Irvine, Chief Production Officer of Change Home Mortgage. John is responsible for revenue generating strategy and execution across all origination channels, including Change Wholesale. His duties include overseeing the sales, marketing, onboarding, and training teams to ensure Change Home Mortgage executes its strategy to expand affordable homeownership across the U.S. John has spent over two decades growing and managing origination platforms and building successful mission-based sales teams. He previously served as Senior Vice President of Retail Residential Lending at Bank Home Loans, a division of Bank of California, alongside many of the change company's executives. Mr. Irvine most recently served as the Chief Strategy Officer for Sovereign Lending Group and as a Senior Vice President at Mr. Cooper Group. So the wholesale space has always had tight margins versus the other channels, retail, the correspondent, consumer direct. How has the shrinking industry margins across all channels impacted wholesale? Rob, you're absolutely right. The the shrinking margins can definitely be a challenge to businesses. The onus is on business leaders and owners to make sure that they're operating their businesses efficiently. It's a competitive landscape out there, so um, you've got to maintain your uh, competitive edge in terms of pricing, service, with uh, change wholesale specifically, we've concentrated a larger percentage of our focus on our non-traditional products, um, which tend to have a healthier uh, gross margin than agency business. Um, you know, that being said, you know, the space is getting more and more crowded as the business continues to shrink. On the agency side, refinances are projected to be down some 60 to 80% this year, and uh, it leaves a lot of companies scrambling for business. But I can tell you that uh, I feel very strongly that we are well positioned in the marketplace to be able to uh, be competitive, particularly uh, with our CDFI designation, which allows us to create some unique products that aren't available widely in the space. So you mentioned maybe a little advantage of change wholesales and having different products there. What are some other advantages for brokers when working with you? Uh, you know, well, we've got a uh, seamless technology. Uh, we call our broker portal closer. Um, and it offers uh, an easy way for brokers to be able to interact with us, uh, whether that's to um, research guidelines, price loans, upload conditions seamlessly. Uh, it talks to our LOS, uh, it integrates oftentimes with a broker. Uh, LOS. And so it really makes sort of the service level from a technology standpoint fairly uh, seamless. Um, but in addition to technology, we really pride ourselves on understanding the marketplace, understanding the perspective that our brokers are facing, especially in the changing winds of this industry. So we can not only anticipate things as they're starting to happen. Uh, in terms of sort of macroeconomic industry situations, but also if you take it down to the micro level, uh, we understand the relationship between a broker and his realtor. We understand the importance of uh, close on time for your purchases. These are all, it's a relationship business. Uh, brokers, for the most part, are uh, subsisting based on the relationships that they have in their marketplace. And so we know that as an organization, the onus is on us to really protect those relationships for our broker clients. In the last two years in the industry, 
everyone's kind of gone gangbusters, but but that's changing here in 2022. How have the last two years impacted the broker landscape and how can change wholesale support it? Uh, you know, the broker landscape, uh, I think you, if you've seen any of the studies, you can see that uh, the broker space is the one growing channel um, within the origination spaces, uh, consumer direct, uh, traditional retail correspondent, all are flat and or shrinking. Um, but I think that as uh, technology advances, uh, brokers are having more and more opportunity um, to sort of reemerge. You know, unfortunately, brokers got a lot of the blame for the financial crisis in, in the early 2000s, unfairly, in my opinion. Um, and so, you know, as that wanes and more and more time passes, more and more brokers are coming back into the space. Uh, the last two years has really been ripe with people that were um, heavy with business, both refinance and purchase, um, but more so refinance. Rates unexpectedly dropped. It led to a huge um, refinance boom. And, you know, in the two years since, uh, you know, as time is getting closer and closer to current, uh, that refinance volume is starting to shrink and brokers are having to focus more on their purchase money business, uh, look for needs-based refinances, and, you know, Change Wholesale is able to support a broader uh, mix of our customers' needs because we've got such a broad product base. Uh, we offer traditional Fannie, Freddie, Ginny, Direct. Uh, we also offer all the traditional non-QM products. We're also what's known as a CDFI, uh, a Community Development Financial Institution. And effectively, what that does is it allows us as an organization to create some unique products uh, that aren't subject to all of the uh, traditional regulations. And these products really are able to serve a large base of customers, uh, prime eligible uh, borrowers that were previously cut out of uh, being able to find financing. And our products help gig workers, self-employed, uh, retired people. There, there's a number of customers um, that our product set opens up. And I think that that's really the, the, the best example of how we're able to support our broker base in this changing landscape beyond other companies. You've been in the mortgage industry for almost four decades now, including some experience as a mortgage broker. How's that experience improve change wholesale's business processes? Uh, careful, you're dating me here, uh, Rob, and I don't <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> I just passed the big birthday milestone and it wasn't necessarily uh, a happy occasion for me. Uh, I kid. You know, look, uh, you're right. I've been in the business for a long time. Um, you know, I still remember the days of uh, making sure that I was taking care of my customers and understanding from a perspective of the broker, you know, exactly what it is that drives them on a day to day business. This is a very, very rewarding space. Uh, you know, when you think about it, we are helping people realize the American dream. And while that's a huge honor, it's also a huge responsibility. Um, there's also choices. There's lots of choices for uh, consumers when it comes to uh, financing. And so, you know, for a broker, primarily, the thing that they care about most is 
How can I best serve my customer? And what partner can I effectively work with in order to best serve that customer? And so I try to keep those two things top of mind. Uh, it's communication that we try to drive through the organization so that all of our uh, employees understand our broker's perspective. I think that's really the most important part is putting yourself in their shoes and keeping the customer top of mind. At the end of the day, there's a person on the end of that transaction and there's meaning in the financing that we're helping to provide, whether that's giving them keys to a new house, uh, whether it's providing some cash for them to be able to pay for college tuition or settle some debt or you know, what have you, these are important uh, components to financing. And I think too often it kind of gets lost uh, when people forget who their customers and why it is that we do this. Yes, you've mentioned that this is a relationship business several times, and it really is. And there's been news out there of other lenders not honoring rate locks. Can you speak to that a little bit? What's going on at Change Wholesale? I certainly wouldn't want to disparage uh, other companies. And I, I've heard some of the same things and read a, a few of the industry publications that uh, have talked about uh, some challenges that other customers have. We had a simple philosophy inside. The market is changing. It is getting more difficult. There, you know, We've hit a period of time where the capital markets uh, for certain products became a little bit more challenging. And, uh, you know, there may have been some companies that weren't necessarily prepared for that. We, we feel like we have a relationship with our broker community and we make commitments to them and we want to honor those commitments. So our philosophy on this was simple. If a broker locked a loan and it has an expiration date, we are going to honor that commitment that we've made to them through that expiration date. It's that simple. Um, you know, to some degree, we all operate with some risk uh, involved, and you know it's not the broker's responsibility that we chose to take the risk for that particular loss. Um, and I don't think it would be fair, not only to the broker, but again, I'm going to go back to that end customer if we weren't to honor our commitment. And so, um, you know, I feel proud of the fact that uh, we've been able to strengthen our relationship with our broker customers. And at the end of the day, they're able to maintain their relationships with their customers uh, because we're doing what we said we were going to do. You also mentioned American Dream, and it's true that mortgage companies help provide this for millions of families out there. How does Change Wholesale live up to its goal of providing mortgages to low-income families and minorities specifically? You know, I, this is probably the proudest uh, moment that I've ever had in this industry and in, in my very long career, as you previously pointed out. You know, it's not often that you have an opportunity um, through business to do something good for um, the community, the country, the world. Um, but I can tell you unequivocally that at Change Wholesale, we do exactly that. At Change Lending, we do that. At the Change Company, we do that. Um, we have an internal saying, do good by doing good. Uh, I'll take you on a very quick uh, brief journey just to understand a little bit of the background. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, we're a community development financial institution, CDFI is the acronym. Um, you know, in the 2007-2008 uh, housing crisis, a bunch of new regulation was 
introduced to try to uh, stave off any future events because it was such a catastrophic financial event, not just for the U.S., but for the world. Um, you know, during that time, there were a lot of studies in the then Obama administration that recognized that while this new regulation uh, was desperately needed, it was going to cut out about 5% of the prime eligible uh, marketplace. And so uh, in order to try to combat that, uh, the administration decided to tap a little known entity called the CDFI uh, to be able to provide financing uh, to this 5% that was going to be cut out of the uh, marketplace. Further, they recognized that uh, through their studies, a larger percentage of customers that were going to be cut out um, were minorities, uh, as well as certain low to moderate income uh, households. And so the intent for a CDFI was to solve for that. Unfortunately, um, or fortunately for the change company, a lot of uh, the CDFIs that had been in existence prior to really weren't addressing that space in any large way. They primarily were focused on commercial loans, uh, very small regional community type uh, down payment assistance programs and the like. And, um, you know, we recognize as an organization that we had an opportunity to uh, solve for a much broader national residential lending uh, group that was underserved. Uh, and so we focus a lot of our attention on making sure that we're able to provide financing for all people, uh, for certainly for the 5% that I mentioned, but we've also recognized that our loans uh, have the ability to help so many. If you think about um, you know, folks that get cut out of the marketplace, they're typically people like gig workers, Uber drivers, um, you know, DoorDash delivery folks, the people that were delivering our groceries. Um, and oftentimes, uh, these people are either in the low to moderate income space uh, and or they're people of color. And, uh, you know, our products uh, go a long way to address that space specifically. That said, we lend to any and everybody. Uh, we want to lend to prime eligible uh, customers. Um, you know, it just we we have a tendency to focus uh, our products to make sure that we're addressing the space where there have been gaps historically. Keep up the good work and thank you for coming on and making the time. I really enjoyed this interview. Thanks so much for having me, Rob. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope to be back someday soon. Definitely. Shifting our collective gaze to interest rates, the relentless rise in treasury yields continued to open the week as investors' focus remained firmly on inflation and the impact of policy tightening by central banks. The Federal Reserve's plan for aggressive monetary policy tightening, through sharp rate hikes and balance sheet reductions, has caused 10-year treasury yields to rise for seven straight days and climb through 2.75% for the first time since March 2019. The Fed's goal is to tamp down inflation without a recession, but investors are skeptical even with inflation expected to moderate later this year. Inflation will remain front of mind with March CPI out today. Expectations were for prices to climb again to more than 8% and at least eight Fed speakers before the Easter break. 
Today's economic calendar is underway with the latest NFIB Small Business Optimism Index for March, which dropped from February. We've also received the all-important March CPI up 1.2% as expected and up 8.5% year-over-year, with core up 0.3% lower than expected. Later this morning brings Redbook same-store sales, a treasury auction of $34 billion of reopened 10-year notes, the March budget deficit, and remarks from Governor Brainerd and Richmond Fed President Barkin. The desk will purchase up to $2.16 billion of 30-year 3% through 4%. We begin the day with agency MBS prices better by a quarter and the 10-year yielding 2.72 after closing yesterday at 2.78%. The average 30-year fixed mortgage rate now sits above 5% according to Mortgage News Daily. Let's wrap up with a couple dad jokes and some housekeeping. The waiter asked me how I like my steak. I said I like it like winning an argument with my wife. The waiter said, rare it is, sir. Can you believe I was thrown out of my church for claiming Jesus spoke with a lisp? It was a real slap in the faith. (laughs) Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Simple Nexus, the homeownership platform that unites people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process into one seamless end-to-end solution that spans engagement, origination, closing, and business intelligence. To learn more about Simple Nexus, an Encino company, visit simplenexus.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.